This podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate delivers the best in geek and gaming gear. From collectibles, apparel, and tech gadgets to art and other epic gear, it's like having Comic-Con in a box. Loot Crate also features individual subscription boxes for gaming, anime, Marvel, and WWE fans, and plans begin at just $24.99 a month. So head on over to cinemageekly.com slash lootcrate, or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Welcome, Mrs. P.L. Travers, to the City of Angels. It smells like jasmine, chlorine, and sweat. <laughs> Introducing the creator of our beloved Mary, Poppins. Never ever just Mary. Now, where is Mr. Disney? She's here. Well, Pamela Travers. You can't imagine how excited I am to finally meet you. Would you mind? My name is Mrs. Travis, Mr. Disney. Oh, Walt. Now, you got to call me Walt. 20 years ago, I made a promise to my daughters that I would make your Mary Poppins fly off the pages of your books. I promised them, Pam. I know what he's going to do to her. She'll be cavorting and twinkling. You can't make the film unless you grant the rights. Damn. Ideas. What kind of ideas? Constables responsible. Now, how no, no, does no, that no, sound? No, 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 no. Responsible is not a word. We made it up. Well, uh, unmake it up. She won't approve Dick Van Dyke. No. No. The latest house doesn't look like that. No, no, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Stop. Mary Poppins is not for sale. I won't have her turned into one of your silly cartoons. Says the woman who sent a flying nanny with a talking umbrella to save the children. You think Mary Poppins has come to save the children? Oh, dear. Mr. Travers, what am I missing here? I'm wondering what I have to do to make you happy. You know, you've never been to Disneyland, and that's the happiest place on Earth. No, 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 please. Well, when does anybody get to go to Disneyland with Walt Disney himself? There he is. Where did she come from? Mary Poppins and the Banksies. They're family to me. Mary Poppins was a real person? So it's not the children she comes to save. It's their father. It's your father. You don't know what she means to me. I won't disappoint you. I swear every time a person walks into a movie house, they will rejoice. Don't you want to finish the story? The boys have come up with an idea. I think it's going to make you happy. You didn't bring me all the way here to tell me that. Oh, no. I had a wager. I couldn't get you on a ride. I just won 20 bucks. It's a brand new podcast from Parts Unknown, a strange journey through the depths of Netflix. It's Anthony Lewis, Glenn Beauvais. We're back to talk a yet another random Netflix film. Uh, this time we are talking about Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, this was what, 2000, 
13, 14? Yeah, 13. Yeah, 2013. Uh, I don't even know. This is a drama film, but it's not exactly a biopic either. It's weird. It's sort of, it's like, uh, well, it's based off of a play. Oh, that I actually, I did not know that. Um, so the, the story is essentially the story of how Walt Disney got PL Travers to hand over the rights to her first Mary Poppins book. Um, but of course, none of the subsequent books. Um, and uh, this film stars Emma Thompson as P.L. Travers, uh, Tom Hanks as Walt Disney, and uh, Paul Giamatti as uh, P.L. Travers' driver. I Ralph. Guess. Ralph the driver. Uh, who actually gets a lot of play in this movie. But the story is essentially about how he uh, mm. tries to, to gain her confidence and let her have the have her sign over the rights and it definitely plays fast and loose with reality as most movies of this sort do but I don't know uh, it's tough because watching it as a movie I actually you know quite enjoyed it for the most part but the historical context and stuff always tends to sour things. And it certainly does in this case. Um, I, I think really for the most part, that is where the, I would say the crux of the interesting conversation comes from is regarding some of the things that they omitted or things that they just outright changed, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there definitely was controversy around this movie. And there are a lot of, uh, various opinions about it let's just say that uh glenn where, where do you want to start do you want to talk about the the movie itself first or i mean or do you think these things kind of just go hand in hand the the movie and the um, surrounding the story i, I think the, i think you can separate i mean my thing is like same thing you just said about the movie like i enjoyed it mm-hmm. um watching it um, I was surprised. I kind of chuckled more than I expected, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just everything was, you know, and it wasn't everything just nostalgia for Mary Poppins. Yeah. Because um, I don't know about you, but I actually loved Mary Poppins as a kid, mm-hmm. um, mostly because it's the only thing I ever really watched um, outside of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But it kind of came a little bit later because it's definitely not a kids movie. Yeah. Uh, of seeing live actors with that kind of cartoon hand-drawn animation. Mm-hmm. So I always just thought that sequence was so cool. And I love Dick Van Dyke. I mean, I didn't really know what how bad the accent was kind of thing, but <laughs> it was one of those. You watch that, and then Nick at Night would come on, and you'd watch Mary Tyler Moore or, the, uh, or uh, yeah. Dick Van Dyke show. So it was yep. just kind of like, uh, you know, for me, it's just the thing I always enjoyed. Yes. Um and I guess we can kind of go with the performances first because that was the thing that, you know, it's been seven years since this movie came out. I never watched it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew the controversy around it and I just kind of didn't take it as serious. Yeah. Um, but as I get older, you kind of realize how, how it really is just more propaganda than it is just artistic liberties. Mm-hmm. And we kind of probably talk about the ethics in that, which yes. is where the problems come in. Uh, 
But I didn't know Colin Farrell was in it. Basically, being himself, if he didn't stop drinking and became a good father, yes, um, was was kind of like what kind of caught me off guard at first. Was yes. and I wasn't it. And I remember the trailer, like them showing clips of like her childhood and stuff. But I really thought that's what it was. It's just like maybe a frame here or there. I didn't think it was going to be like I don't know. It's not half the movie, but it's. You know, oh, like somewhere I, between a third and a half. Yeah, you could you could argue for sure that, like, I mean, you could argue for like a quarter of the of the movie belongs to like uh, the flashbacks and such. There's a lot of them. Yeah, and what's weird is that like <laughs> sometimes they're like half a scene because I was thinking of <laughs> every time we saw Colin. I mean, as they go on, the scenes become longer, so they're like filled out. But it always felt like. We see Colin Farrell, I'm like, man, that's got to be hard. Like, you're trying to get into these emotional ties, but they're like, you know, 20, 30 second clips. It's like, you feel like uh, you kind of just stopped. You didn't get to finish telling uh, what happened in that interaction. So I was kind of thinking that might have been mm-hmm. a little hard to do, but, you know, they become more full. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's got some problems. I like. I mean, I like the cast. I like Jason Schwartzman and B.J. Novak of just and Bradley Whitford, like that trio of just like rolling their eyes every time they came in because that that seemed to be kind of the more true parts was she didn't like the music and the Cartoon, the writing of the yeah. brothers was like doing everything they could to try and please both sides. Yeah, they didn't. She didn't want cartoons. She didn't want all of the music. Yeah, she made. There was a lot of changes she wanted to make, and some of that was backed up during the credits of this movie, when they play the actual tape recording of PL Travers, like literally going over the notes of, you know, I mean, she literally asked for like a specific type of measure to be used, like a tape measure to be used in the movie. Um, Oh, and then the animation thing, like, I mean, I think she just didn't want it to be words, but at the end when she's at the, yeah, she didn't want it to be cartoons. I mean, she even says, I can't cry in a cartoon. Yeah. Um, but at the premiere, she, like, confronted him. Because it wasn't that she came to the office and, you know, got invited that way. I mean, she just wasn't invited, and then she found out she wasn't, and then she kind of shamed anyone, someone to bringing her along, and then she confronted Disney at the premiere. Yep. And she was like, you know, we got to cut out all this animation sequence, and he was just like... uh the ship sailed like i don't know what to tell you that's not yeah we can't do anything too about late that. for that so yeah um yeah i i feel like the movie tried to balance i don't think it tried to ignore all of the actual history but i think it definitely tried to soften it i think they tried to not make Disney look bad. Yes. Um, and I would even say, like, even in the real story, it wasn't, I mean, it seems like he was pretty straightforward about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he took advantage of a situation where the lady was running out of money, but it, like, yes. it was a thing that she, like, wasn't good with her spending, yeah. you know, outside of her means, like, mm-hmm. uh, victim blame. Yeah, I mean, or whatever. You know, some of it was her own responsibilities, and she, you know, you can only say no to the money train for so long. Yes, I mean, and there's some things that were, you know, that they turned into scenes that were really just exchanges through letters. That sort of stuff is easily forgivable yeah, yeah. as well. Um, the uh, 
and I, I don't know if this came from the letters or not, but I actually really enjoyed Tom Hanks as Walt Disney. I mean, I enjoyed mm-hmm. Tom Hanks as anything. Uh, he's tremendous, but I thought he was really good in this, in particular the scene where he's explaining to her why. I think in a way he's sort of explaining why Disney is what Disney is, which is uh, he talks about living this hard life as a child working for his father's paper uh, business where he'd essentially work all day and all night and is insinuated that his father would beat him with a belt and stuff like that. And although he says that he likes his father and his father's a good man, it certainly doesn't sound like it. It just, uh, regardless though, he sort of gives this speech about like, wouldn't it be nice to try to remember your childhood a different way? And maybe that's why he makes things the way that he makes them. Uh, maybe why he didn't want Mary Poppins to be quite as harsh as P.L. Travers novelization of, um, and you know, and obviously her creation of the character was more harsh than way more harsh than the movie let on. Um, and trying to explain perhaps his point of view. I'm wondering if that is in the letters. I imagine it, it would be, but uh, I thought that scene in particular was pretty fantastic. And Tom Hanks, I think, is really good in this. And so is Emma Thompson um, as well. And I think some of it, some of her stinginess, uh, and I, I think they allude to it in the movie as well, is that she kind of doesn't really want to sign over the rights. She's sort of looking for an excuse to yeah, not want yeah. to do it. And I think they soften the premiere quite a bit. Um, so the film in the film, she is portrayed as being very emotionally moved during the premiere of the film where they over, they overlay her watching the movie with stuff from her childhood. Um, and a lot of people say that, her emotional response during the premiere was really anger and frustration that she hated the movie and she hated seeing what her character had been turned into, I guess. Uh, and I don't think they tried to shy away entirely from that in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're definitely, they did hang on her for a while over the course of, um, you know, as the movie played with a series of crossfades and such. And for the most part, she seemed very ambivalent towards the movie. She did not seem very pleased, especially with the no, animation. I mean, at the end, she says, you know, yeah, no, we're not selling the rights ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a clear and present, like Disney can try to soften it all they want, but there's a reason why there wasn't another Mary Poppins movie made until after P.L. Travers had passed away and her family had given permission to do it it's because she refused to provide any rights to any of her other mary poppins uh books to anybody else and boy did they try over the years they've tried forever to make Mm -hmm. more mary poppins and um they didn't and that's for a reason she she's still i mean for the most part it's not like it's not black and white she didn't hate the movie from beginning i mean even in interviews she'll say she said like i just read one where she was like the movie was good for what it was. The music is catchy. The performances are good, mm-hmm. um, but it's not my books. And so that yes. was just, it was, you know, he even, even Disney even said it. Like one of my favorite lines in the movie is when he just says to her, you know, you came to Los Angeles, um, not wanting to like me. You weren't going to like me and you came up with everything possible so that I would fail you. And mm-hmm. so I did. Yeah. Um, and I mean, 
not that you know not saying that they couldn't have done things better but it didn't matter i mean there was there there was just that's just how it was gonna be yeah so i mean basically there's a little bit of revisionist history here on disney's part um to make disney not look so bad although in general i don't think it's like the worst of the worst this is not like the worst thing disney's ever done to somebody no Uh, it's not song of the south Oh my God. No, it is not. Um, I think by and large, they softened it and uh, that's what they were going to do. Like they were never going to, they were never going to hold a harsh light to what happened here. And I don't know. I kind of like, I want to do a little bit more reading on the actual novel because I, I want to know just how much of this movie's speculation, I don't know if it is speculation, it may be truth, because like I said, I've not read up on it. Uh, but I want to know just how much of the the story in this movie that uh, Mary Poppins came from her upbringing, how much of that is accurate? And how much of that ties into the Walt Disney speech that he gives to her about how you know, the whole idea of this movie, Saving Mr. Banks, is that Mr. Banks is predicated on her father, who was an alcoholic, who suffered mightily and hurt his family, essentially, financially, and died from consumption for the most part. Um, but she, a young child, revered and loved him. And how that character was predicated on her father and that he is redeemed at the end of this movie. And he pitches this idea that essentially your father is going to be redeemed on screens all over this country, that children are going to grow up loving and watching, essentially trying to pitch to her that children are going to grow up loving and watching your father's story, uh, more or less, which um, I don't know how much of that Walt Disney stuff is true, but I'd really like to know how much of the the writing of the book is is based off of that like how much of that is accurate because to me that was the most interesting stuff in the movie uh was watching her childhood and her flashbacks and seeing how that translated into her novelization to me the the psychology of that was far more interesting than Walt Disney trying to get the uh trying to get the film rights to her book uh quite frankly i think i'd rather watch a pl travers biopic uh, than, uh, than this. Although I thought this was good. I had a, a good time with saving Mr. Banks, but I'm far more intrigued by her actual story than the story of how Disney was able to make this movie. Um, I don't think Disney would be making that movie anytime soon, but, uh, that's definitely one I'd be interested in. Um, any, any other thoughts on uh, the movie or the controversy surrounding it? No, it's just, it's such a odd, thing to think to make to me i don't yes this is a weird choice for a movie like you know all the well i mean we'll probably talk about it because you saw a certain disney movie Mm -hmm. um but it's like why would you steer into something that has clear controversy around it you know as far as yeah um you're not saying that corporate greed i mean i guess it would have been yeah you would have had you know um, the Wall Street demonstrations and stuff. So yeah. I guess so, but it just seems like you, you know it, it's such an odd thing to. Uh, it's such a weird message because it's like 
I mean, he basically tells her, take the money. It's okay. Give it to the world. That's what I'm going to do for you is, I'm, you know, like you said, going to, you know, redeem your dad to the whole entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, but like lessons that her dad said, like, don't make things about the money kind of stuff. And, you know, don't lose that. And it's, it's yeah. like, it's usually uh, the positive message that wins out in the end. Oh, not in this one. Like, <laughs> Yes. It's basically if Charlie Sheen ended up just working for Gordon Gecko and didn't get him sent to jail, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and didn't care that his father's company was going to get destroyed and lose all their pensions. Like, it's uh, it's such an odd message for this movie to try, to try and make. It's, it's strangely capitalistic without trying, you know, like, make, I guess it's like Atlas Shrugged for Disney. Yes. The romance of capitalism, I guess. And it's such an odd, <laughs> it's odd message. Uh, by the way, uh, looking up the history of the production and development of this movie, it did start as a documentary film on P.L. Travers. Um, it was a, it started, well, there was an Australian produced documentary called The Shadow of Mary Poppins. And during the production, uh, the, uh, the producer realized that there was an obvious biopic in the documentary and started gathering everything one would need. Uh, I think uh, BBC Films became involved, stuff like that. So the ball was rolling on doing a P.L. Travers film. And the, of course, it would naturally deal with this and Disney uh, and dealing with their childhood issues. So the, uh, the person who was writing the script though, uh, his version of the script featured obvious intellectual property rights for music and imagery that would be impossible to use without permission from the Walt Disney company. Uh, and that sort of became the elephant in the room for them. Like how did they make this movie about, this writer and her eventual struggle with Walt Disney and making the movie and stuff. I think there are definitely ways around it. Um, you know, there are ways around it without having to see things from the movie or to hear music from the movie or to see posters from the movie. Um, I know that stuff sort of adds an air of legitimacy to all of it, but there are ways around it, but they decided ultimately that, uh, they couldn't make the movie they wanted to make. And without those rights. So eventually, uh, and by the way, that documentary came out in 2002. It took all the way until 2011 until Walt Disney Pictures president of production, Sean Bailey, was informed of the existing script. And then things came together and it got Disneyfied and so on and so forth. And it sort of just, instead of being a P.L. Travers biopic, it sort of just got chopped down to the story of Disney acquiring the rights, which is still admittedly a very weird idea for a movie but uh yeah tom hanks well, more money to be made in it than the documentary i guess uh, for sure i guess uh and uh tom hanks of course becoming the first uh, ever depiction of walt disney in a mainstream film so uh i guess there's uh i guess there's that but yeah um there is a uh, trying to think of 
if there was something else of note. Uh, there really wasn't much else of note. But yeah, the the P.L. Travers biopic that I'm interested in uh, almost got made uh, like in 2002 or 2003, but never came to be. And instead, this kind of weird movie happened. But I don't know, kind of weird in a good way. The performances are all pretty good. Paul Giamatti is good in this. Everybody is pretty good in this. Um, as you noted, Jason Schwartzman, Bradley Whitford, everybody was good in this. Um, this was a surprisingly uh, a surprisingly good watch, I thought. Uh, what would you give Saving Mr. Banks, Glenn? Uh, like a three and a half. Yeah, that's what I gave it uh, as well. Um, so not too bad. Uh, do you th- I wonder if we'll have luck with the next random movie uh, that we'll get. Actually, you know what? I should probably go to that website. I should have pulled that up beforehand. I am very unprofessional. Uh, okay, so in order to, to pick our next film, we go to realgood.com. They have a Netflix roulette machine. Uh, and by machine, I mean it's a just a, a button you, you click on the website, but it gives you a random movie on Netflix So sometimes. Sometimes they give us movies that are not on Netflix at all. Uh, but I'm going to try to do my due diligence here and double check uh, before I announce what we get. But no television shows, uh, no documentaries, uh, things of that nature, just straight up movies. And I'm going to spin the wheel. Oh, this movie is definitely on Netflix. Uh, okay. Uh, so the next thing we're going to watch, I don't know if you've seen it. Pretty sure I haven't seen this. Uh, yeah, I'm positive I haven't seen this. Okay. Uh, 2016 action adventure drama starring uh, Michael Shannon and Joel Edgerton. Kirsten Dunst, Adam Driver are all in this movie. It's called Midnight Special, Glenn. Have you seen this one? I have seen that movie. Okay. I have not seen this. Um, a father and son go on the run after the dad learns his child possesses special powers. Um, and this is definitely on Netflix. And I don't think we've talked about it before. Maybe we have. We actually have a long, long time have ago. We? Yes, with Ben and the one time appearance by his friend Glenn who oh, brought it we? up as one of his favorite movies of the year. And I interrupted him saying, yes, that movie's great. And he said, wow, that was annoying. I remember it <laughs> very vividly. Um, but oh, it man. was. So we never got to really talk about the movie in depth. on the. No, movie, he just right? said it was one of the ones that he liked that year. It's I, I I'm glad it came up because I actually been meaning to rewatch it. No, well, there um, we go. But is an excellent movie. It's okay. odd. It's the same guy who made Mud uh, with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Jeff Nichols. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sam Shepard. It's a good cast in this as well. It is. It's a very good cast. It's a very good movie. Well, now I am excited to... Very different. Very different. Really? Okay, yeah. I'm definitely, definitely interested. So... We're going to watch that next time. In the meantime, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify and tune in. Just search for Cinema Geekly. Hit subscribe. And that way you can come back next time to hear Glenn and I talk about another random Netflix movie, the 2016 action adventure drama film 
Midnight Special on another podcast from Parts Unknown. 